sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben adelberg and once again welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben adelberg this is episode 248 before we jump into this week's episode bear with me we have some housekeeping to take care of but i'll be quick and then we can get to my conversation with arguably the best player in the country michael brennan as many of you already know i just returned from reynolds lake oconee in georgia i was there covering the linger longer invitational where georgia outlasted vanderbilt for the team title and jacob bridgman from clemson dominated the field to capture the individual title this is an incredible facility that took care of me so well have to thank the people at reynolds lake oconee for putting me up for the week and the tournament hosts mercer university of georgia kennesaw state they took care of me as well i was so impressed with everything around this tournament the staff the facility the teams volunteers definitely going to be returning next year you're going to see the linger longer on my schedule it's going to get bigger and better I'm excited to be a part of it. Another thing that I did is I grabbed some things in the pro shop and did a giveaway on Instagram. So there was already a winner chosen, but I was able to give away a back of the range hat and towel and also a Reynolds hat and towel. So make sure you're following on Instagram at the back of the range. This is something that I think I'm going to be doing moving forward quite a bit. So I know everyone's always looking for some merch maybe from some of the places I visit and not just the back of the range. So make sure you're following on Instagram. That's where you'll learn about all those giveaways. Now, on a sad note, the University of the Southwest was struck with a terrible tragedy recently. Six members of the University of the Southwest men's and women's golf teams, along with their coach, were killed in a car crash in Midland, Texas, on their way back from a tournament. Now, our friends over at Any Given Tuesday started a GoFundMe page that has raised over $75,000 at this point. They've actually pushed the goal out several times because of the reach and generosity in the world of college golf. I've added the link to the GoFundMe page into the show notes of this episode. It's going to stay there for future episodes. Please consider donating to help the families that have been affected by this tragedy if you have questions about what else you can do or how to donate on GoFundMe, just shoot me an email, ben at thebackoftherange.com, and uh, let's rally and try and help in any way that we can. No easy way to change the subject and move forward, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. There are some new merch items for sale at thebackoftherange.com. Added some new hoodies that you can wear all year long, no matter where you live. There's a navy blue tour visor in there. There's also more merch on the way. So head over to thebackoftherange.com, pick up some items for yourself, for some friends. And remember, that helps me kind of keep traveling and staying on the road and bringing you more content. So uh, keep supporting the Back of the Range. Really appreciate what all of you have done so far. Now, since you're listening to episode 248, you know that 250 will be released very soon. My guest on episode 250 will be Carol Semple Thompson. Now, we throw the term legend around quite often. Well, Carol is in a different category. She is one of only five people in history that have won three different USGA individual championships. The other four, Joanne Carner, Jack Nicholas, 
Arnold Palmer and Tiger Woods. Here's another stat for you. She's played in more USGA championships than anyone in history. Triple digits, folks. She will be my guest on episode 250. Do not miss that episode. And finally, if you have been following the Back of the Range on social media, you'll know that I recently made the announcement that the Back of the Range was granted a press credential for the Augusta National Women's Amateur. This would have never happened without the support of listeners, followers, players, college coaches, advisors, friends, family. I mean, you are all responsible for this, my very first trip to Augusta National. The Back of the Range started as an amateur golf podcast back in January of 2018. And later this week, I'll be working out of one of the most exclusive press buildings in the world of sports. So thank you very much for everything that you've done to support the Back of the Range. And later this week, I get to go to Augusta National to cover the greatest amateurs in the world. So we are all caught up. My guest on this episode is Michael Brennan. He captured the 2019 Virginia State Amateur Championship. He's won four times already in, in just two seasons at Wake Forest. He recently won the Genesis Showcase out at Riviera, kind of a Monday qualifier for collegiate players where it's a winner-take-all situation and the winner gets into the field. So he won that while coincidentally playing alongside another Wake Forest guy, Will Zalatoris. So clearly the mojo was working that day. Then he gets to play a nine-hole practice round with Rory. He learned a lot during this debut on the PGA Tour. We spoke about that, spoke about Wake and his team that's getting geared up for the postseason this week by testing themselves at the Valspar Collegiate, which is where I am before heading to Augusta. So while you're listening to this episode, I'm out at the Floridian covering Michael and the best players in the country. So let's get started with this episode. Michael, welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Ben. You got it. Uh, well, it's been a little bit of a busy spring for me. And then, well, I look at your schedule and what the hell do I have to complain about? Because you have been jumping all over one coast to the other, back and forth. And, uh, you know, whether it's playing in Pepperdine's tournament, at, you know, at, at Westlake Village in California, then jumping back for Jones Cup. And we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what you just did at, uh, in L.A., you're on spring break right now. How are, how are you spending spring break trying to be a normal college kid? Uh, I'm with my family right now. We're down in, in South Florida, and I'm just doing beach days, hanging out in the pool at the beach, doing a little practice with my brother and family, um, but really taking it pretty easy. Nothing too, too crazy. Going to the gym, I don't know, keeping it pretty standard. Uh, nothing too, Nothing too crazy. So I think you're up in South Florida in the, the north and west Palm Beach area, and I'm in Boynton mm -hmm. Beach, so we're about 25 minutes away from each other. So this is really good staff work on my part for us to be doing this over the phone, but we're going to look past that. Now, yeah. You, yeah. You, you told me that you have familiar uh, experiences on my stomping grounds, Quail Ridge Country Club in, in – well, I guess it's the club at Quail Ridge now. we got to get that right. But anyway, Quail Ridge in Boynton Beach – you told me that your your cousin is a pro there. Is that correct? Yeah. So my cousin, he's down for the winter. He's an assistant pro down there. And um, I came down here for all of Christmas break. And he had me out a few times. And uh, the course is sweet. They have two golf courses. And we played both of them a couple times. One time, my whole my dad, brother, uh, myself, and him, we went out and played. But there were a few times it was just the two of us 
Um, and, and we'd rip, whip around in the afternoon, whether he was, you know, after work or something like that. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, a, a pretty funny coincidence that, uh, yeah, we've I, both been there. I, I, and I'm guessing the reason I wasn't invited to play is because I'm a former summer match play champion there. And that's really why <laughs> I didn't get the phone. Is that it, Michael? Yeah, it's exactly it. I, Kyle, my cousin, I know he felt scared, you know, to invite someone of your caliber See, to come play with us. That's, um, that's what I like. So to hear. that's. He actually mentioned it to me. I was like, you know what? Probably best we just leave him off yeah. off this one. That's 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 a smart. You know, you're, you. I like how you're thinking. You think your way around the golf course. You're thinking your way through this episode. You're just trying to butter up the host. I love it. It's a good yeah. play. It, yeah. It's been done before, but uh, <laughs> I, I, but it's not a bad way to go. Um, well, you're you're currently having another great season. I, 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 still, I don't know why it, it baffles me that you're just a sophomore, but maybe because you've racked up four wins uh, at Wake Forest in just two years, that might be a, a clue. But that uh, that's just a great start to your career at Wake. And you're coming to Wake from Leesburg, Virginia, just out of D.C. I love mm-hmm. trying to figure out how college players get to the university that they're at. Uh, especially when on, you know, when you kind of look on paper, you're like, how does this happen? Um, you know, there's the correlations could be easy and some are like, well, I need to dig into this. So starting the game in, in Virginia, a lot of great players in that area. How did you get into the game of golf? And then we'll try and figure out how you found your way to wake. My dad played a lot of amateur golf, um, in his 20s, 30s and 40s, whether that be state am and state opens and stuff. And when he had me, I, he wasn't going to stop playing golf. So his idea was to bring me in like a stroller or something to the range Good when parenting. he would practice and kind of just sit and watch him. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of what got me exposed. Uh, we were members at the river Creek club up in, up in Leesburg. And yeah. um, ever since I was, you know, really little, I was kind of always out there. And um, when I got old enough that I could stand and kind of swing, you know, a cut down club, um, I would kind of mess around when he was practicing or whatnot. So that, um, that's how I got started. And he was, he was a good player, um, and taught me a lot of the fundamentals. And I didn't see a golf coach until I was 13. Um, I was strictly coached by my dad until then. So, um, I would say he, he did a great job again, super fundamental oriented, um, which isn't a bad thing. And then now with my coach, Adam Harrell, um, you've kind of gone from there and my dad still helps out with stuff, um, here and there, but, um, he really got me into the game and, and got me loving golf since I was, I was pretty young. River Creek. Um, I actually know a little bit about it and just, I, I mean, I know it's really one of the, you know, really early on, you know, private clubs in that area. And it, it looks like a very, I haven't played it, but it just, it looks incredible from what I've, what I've seen of it. And I think you can pretty much agree that, you know, when you're that young, yes, you have your dad working with you and you can always find some place to hit balls and and there's junior tournaments and opportunities there. But how much of an advantage and a a role did it play in your your start in the game to have a club like that, that I'm guessing they were 100 percent behind the growth of, of the junior members there? Yeah, they, they've been great and they, um, they've been really supportive of me even now. Um, you know, I still text pretty frequently with some of the pros and assistant pros, um, at the club and that's where I'll go back to, um, over the summer. 
but they were they were always okay you know letting a 10 year old kid go out and play and yeah. um you know maybe wouldn't let me drive the cart when i was 13 <laughs> you know but sure, um, sure. that's that's something i was always trying to get on but um but yeah no it was great to always have a spot to go and practice and play um and it's a beautiful golf course it's a great piece of uh, property on the potomac river yeah um, so I'm really, really lucky growing up with that. I don't know what it is, no matter what. I mean, at that age, the getting to drive the golf cart is the thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my dad, I remember like when we were really little, you know, he, I, I couldn't reach the pedal. I just kind of sit on his lap uh-huh, and steer and uh-huh. he would hit the gas. And I mean, I would, I would eat that up. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, hot dog and a Coke and drive the golf cart a little bit. And what else do you need? Yeah. Hot dog at the turn is, yeah, is key okay so now that we've completely gone we've we've gone sidebar on hot dogs let's get back to quail ridge really quick next time you're there make sure that talk to the chef chicago dog have you had the chicago dog at quail ridge yet no i hadn't life life changing experience foot foot long peppers the works it's it's a meal like i wouldn't i wouldn't get one unless i actually played like it helps to play early in the morning on a really hot day, and you're just you're starving at, at one o'clock, and then you could possibly polish one off. But um, yeah, next time you're at Quail, get a Chicago dog and let me know. But it's 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 life changing. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, I, am, I mean uh, it's I mean it's it's full nitrates and and it, but you're young enough you can handle it. But I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. It, it's not it's not a vegan dish. It's serious. Uh, it's serious stuff. But um, no, it's it's good. Yeah, no, I'm not vegan. We uh, wouldn't have a problem with that. Okay, you'll be, you'll be fine. Um, yeah. We rarely dive into, like, high school golf, but you are a graduate of Tuscarora High School. You are a Husky. And, again, kind of a similar parallel with, you know, what you've done at Wake, having a great season your freshman year winning twice. And you were, I, from what I can tell, kind of a leader in the star on that team as a freshman in high school. Uh, you got to kind of grow up and mature pretty quickly when you're what 13 14 and you're the kind of one of the number one players on the team yeah high school golf was something else um <laughs> it's i mean i don't really don't really know how to describe it um but yeah coming in as a freshman um i was uh the number one player on the team and i just remember being so naive about everything right you know coming in at the 13 14 year old and and i remember the two and three guys were juniors and seniors on the team oh no <laughs> and um i wasn't even there. yeah i, I kind of like yeah, i, I don't want to say looked up to them you know it's just but they're older guys yeah um but um man i i had a lot to learn about high school and just growing up on that on that golf team and uh, we actually made it to our state championship my freshman year uh, which was a lot of fun to, you know, travel with the team. And that was kind of my first time traveling with a golf team. I played sports, other right. sports growing up, but um, never was really on a, a team side for golf. Um, but yeah, high school golf was a lot of fun. Uh, my brother is a year below me. Yeah. And so for my last three years, he was on the team and he was, he played the two spot, our, you know, junior, senior year together. Um, so it was a lot of fun. We were, We would play together. But, um, yeah, when I was a freshman on the team, I mean, I just had no idea what was going on in high school at the time. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like, you know, 
the ages of like 21 to 23, 24, you know, not a big difference. And as you get older, the, those years, I mean, two, three years is nothing, but from like thir- mm-hmm. 13 to 16 is, I mean, there is just a, a vast desert in between those two ages. It's just miles yeah. and miles different. And yeah, I was probably a 14 year old walking up onto the team and in the, fa- in the fall, my freshman year. And i they were probably 17 or 18 years old, the seniors on my team. Right. Um, and so, I mean, it's a, a learning experience for sure. Oh yeah. Cause you're on a team and they're, you know, they're trying to figure out ways to, you know, stay out till one in the morning and, and, you know, maybe sneak a smoke somewhere and you're, yeah. you're like, not even, that's not even, that's probably not even in your world at that time. Very accurate. hundred <laughs> percent. Now you're majoring in engineering at Wake Forest. Is that correct? Or is it still business? No, I'm doing uh, economics. The plan was engineering. Okay. I went to a kind of a, a STEM high school, um, not outside of Tuscarora. So I would go to this, it's called the Academies of Loudoun on every other day. And I would uh-huh. go to Tuscarora on every other, you know, on the other day. Um, so Tuscarora is kind of my home base school. But uh, this Academies of Loudoun, I had to test into from um, when I was in eighth grade. So I studied engineering throughout high school. And then the plan was to go to college and, and major in engineering until I realized that I was just not, not smart enough to be able to do that and play golf at the same time. So then I kind of had to do a little backtrack, think about what I liked in high school. I was like, you know what? Econ was pretty cool. Um, so I've gone with that. And so far it's been great and I've been running with it. Well, uh, my, my research team has, has, has come to me and told me that you um, participated in, in engineering projects, presented a scoliosis device to the board of the Academies of Loudoun. And, I mean, just how smart are you, Michael? I don't believe this crap about you saying you're not smart enough. I mean, you're, you're presenting inventions uh, as an engineer in high school. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's some pretty good research. I think that was probably sophomore year of high school. Uh, um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's school, got, I mean, that, I mean, I, I can't think of anything else in high school that's going to help you with the ladies to say, Hey, listen, I'm not on the football team, but let me tell you about this scoliosis device that my, my friends and I invented. I mean, that's, that's a winner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was, we, the school was actually really cool. It's called the academies of engineering yeah. technology. It was kind of my subdivision. And, um, so we did a lot of cool stuff in high school with that. And honestly, I'm really interested in, in STEM and I think it's, uh, I think it's really cool, but, um, yeah, our, our, our like groups project, we were trying to create a way to measure a body, um, to get fitted for a, a scoliosis. That's um, incredible. Brace basically right. in high school. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So you're, you're the smartest one on this uh, interview, but I don't know if that really means a whole lot. That's kind of setting the bar pretty low. Um, Trust me. I feel like I've, I feel like I've become dumber the further away (laughs) I've gotten from this, uh, AET or academies of Loudoun in high school. I think that was my peak peak smartness. That that was college just making me stupid. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Nobody, nobody at Wake needs to listen to that comment, but that's okay. Well, we'll just move on past it. Basically what you're saying is, so what you're saying here, Michael, is for every golf ball you hit, the dumber you get. Is that what you're saying? Probably. I mean, I was, my math and science and, and engineering, I was way better in high school than I am now, but, uh, I guess my economics is probably a little bit better now.
that's all that matters. E- economics is probably going to serve you well down the line uh, in your next job um, uh, after college. So I think you'll be okay with that. And and uh, but that is still pretty impressive in high school. I, I was looking at that. I was like, oh my gosh, um, I'm not going to be smart on this phone call. So but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, you just had. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about what what brought you to Wake in a little bit. But uh, let's talk about this spring and specifically. Um, let's talk about this Genesis showcase, uh, really kind of a cool concept. It's basically a Monday qualifier, so to speak, uh, the Monday before the, the Genesis at, uh, at Riviera, there have been, uh, several great players that have, uh, you know, as a college player have got in to play the event, notably Will Zalatoris, who you partnered with, or I'm sorry, played in the same group with uh, on Monday, uh, of the, that week, Sahith Thagala got through, um, you know, uh, Angus Flanagan, just, you know, a lot of a lot of great players and guys that have been on the back of the range, thankfully. So your week starts with getting to play with Zalatoris on Monday, and then I believe a, you win that, get through, you're in the field, practice around with Rory. Um, I did see a photo with you and Tiger. So, um, yeah, a pretty good week, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was – it was an unbelievable week. So our week really started. We got out there on Thursday night of the week before the Monday. Okay. Um, just me and my two teammates, Alex and Mark, and um, some donors and both coaches. And we went out to a great dinner in L.A. on Thursday. And then we played Sherwood and, and Palos Verdes on Friday, Saturday. Sunday morning, we went to um, Scott Lynn, the I think the founder of Swing Catalyst. We went to his his house and um, took some measurements on the Swing Catalyst, uh, which was really cool. And um, honestly, kind of give him some credit. He gave me a, a nice little swing thought for Monday. Nice. Um, what was the swing thought? I what, went with it. Is it? Um, it was just great. Yeah. So I was. He measures. Um, I think it was it three or four different categories: um, vertical force, lateral force, torque, and. That may have been it. It may only be three, Um, but he kind of compares them to tour average and then one standard deviation above and below tour average. And I was pretty okay with the vertical force and lateral force, Um, but I was lacking in my torque with my irons and wedges, whereas my driver, I was, um, my numbers were high and I felt like I was driving it really well at the time. So he's like, all right, so let's, this is what you're doing well. Let's work that into some of the other parts of your game. So I felt like I was, when I would swing with an iron, I was, my feet were moving in the opposite direction of my hips and shoulders and everything else. So okay. my right foot would be traveling back and my left foot would be traveling closer to the ball. Um, and that was kind of my feel when I was coming down through impact. And um, I felt a lot really stable through the shot um, and through the hitting zone. And I hit some really good irons on Monday. Now, Michael, just by listening to that explanation, don't you think your engineering background may have helped you process that information? Uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it's helped a little bit. But um, I, I do like I like numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's cool, and I think what he's done with Swing Catalyst, and he just came out with a new like dual force plate system. Um, so instead of it being one board, it's two separate boards for each foot, and it measures each of them separately. And I think. I mean, I just think that stuff is so cool. Yeah. Um, so to be able to work with him personally was a great experience. And to have him 
you know, the, the guy who created the system look over um, my swing and my stuff was, it was a, a great experience and turned out to, to be beneficial. That sounds like it's a lot more um, productive session than necessarily just looking at numbers on a track man. It's one thing to just look at numbers, but to have someone kind of walk you through why this is happening, or that sounds, now that you mentioned it, sounds like it would be a lot more productive than just someone telling you about your ball speed and and um, just looking at numbers that truthfully, uh, you know, those are important to a certain extent, but I think the reasons behind uh, your maybe some faults in your swing or what you're doing, I think that, that definitely sounds more productive. Yeah, I, I'm not even, a, even though I, I do like numbers and stuff, I, I wouldn't, I'm not a big track man guy. Right. Um, I don't, when sometimes you have some guys at the range, you know, at our facility or just in general who always have to have a track man behind them to look at, you know, whatever number they're looking at, you know, who knows, but um, I'm not a big track man guy. I'll look at, if I'm trying to look at my swing speed and, and do some speed sections on the range, you know, sure. I'll just do club head speed or ball speed with the driver uh, distances. I'll, use trackman for with with wedges and irons and stuff but that's really about it but i i think the the swing catalyst stuff and having someone who really truly understands the system and what's going on i think that is is super interesting yeah so i get asked um i get asked all the time by people that follow you know let's see that i follow the college and the amateur game they, they follow the back of the range and you know i get you know a lot of these questions like well how good are these guys and i i try and explain what i see and you know they want to know well, well how far away are they from you know the casual fan they're asking me like how far away are they from the pros that that they see every weekend on the pga tour now you shoot 66 pretty much your first time out at riviera you get into this tournament and you know getting praise from guys like Zalatoris and Rory. And now you, you missed the cut by two, which is, I mean, very respectable. I mean, Bubba and Reed, they missed the cut. They're, they're masters champions and Patrick Rogers, Sam, you know, numerous players miss the cut as you know, everyone misses cuts and mm -hmm. you you've had some time. I'm assuming to reflect on the week, you know, your strengths and weaknesses and, and what went right, what went wrong, but you know, you're one of the best collegiate players in the country right now. I know it's kind of a, a question that includes your own performance and your own skill set, but how far away do you think elite collegiate players are from players on the PGA Tour? I think the the gap is just in their consistency. Okay. Um, you know what I saw for me personally, they're they're putting and chipping. You know, kind of around inside of fifty yards. I don't even say wedges; just inside of fifty yards. I felt was a lot a lot tighter okay. um, than mine. And, and the advice that Rory gave to me was, you know, when he was even an elite amateur golfer or a, a young professional, he said he turned 72s or he turned 68s into 72s. And now he turns 72s into 68s. Interesting. You know, so I think that that that's what I took away is the biggest difference between elite college golf and professional golf. Um, and I think it was a great learning experience for me because I got to kind of see that firsthand. But as far as someone hits the ball, um, I finished for the first two days. Granted, I didn't play all four days that week, but I was third in strokes gained off the tee for the field. Um, so I think it kind of proves that. And I mean, I've played with guys who hit the ball way farther than I do, probably straighter than I do um, in college golf. And that just shows you that 
you know, are physically probably not that different. Right. But I think it's just a little mentally, you know, whether and the way that they're able to to really kind of maximize um, their performance out of a round is would be the biggest difference between an elite college and a any successful tour player. Yeah, and and I guess the other thing, which really there's no way to, I mean, you you've you've played U.S. amateurs and and you've played you know uh, you've been on TV for for the national championship, but still to play a tour event with all those people around and especially a place like Riv where it's so condensed and tight, I mean, you just you just don't have that experience of having all those people around you and the noise and all the things moving. And that'll just probably just come in time. So you have to, I guess you're just chalking that one up to like, Hey, they've, they've done this, you know, double digit times more than I have. Yeah. I mean, when you're, you know, hitting putts, the putting greens are, are super small at Riv. Yeah. So you, you get really close, you know, with, with Adam Scott, with Justin Thomas, with Rory, with, I mean, every guy that you watch on TV, Ricky watching him hit putts. And I feel like you just like, without even, learning anything or thinking about anything i feel like you're just going to get better just because you're there um i don't really know how to explain it better but um i just watching them you know play golf at at such a a high level is um it was is a great experience and something that i'm going to try to continue to learn from um and get it to work in my favor when you were there did you at least give yourself an opportunity to be just the typical college kid that gets to play a PGA tour event. Did you, you know, have those butterflies and nerves about going up to talk to someone or did you have that moment of like, Holy crap, I can't believe I'm here. Oh, look, look, there's Adam Scott. Look, there's Ricky. I mean, tell me. At oh, least, yeah, 100%. So, okay. So good. Give me, give me at least a rookie moment that you had. That was. So honestly, I, I was an alternate for the U S open last summer yeah. and I had practice privileges and stuff. And I think that that was one of the biggest, I think that helped a lot um, for Riv just to kind of take a little bit of that edge off sure. as far as, you know, you're hitting on the range and it's like, Oh my gosh, at, at Torrey, I was hitting next to Brooks Skepka and I couldn't hit a single golf ball because I just wanted to watch him hit a golf ball. You know, I, I literally, I couldn't practice because I was just watching him play and practice. Um, so I think that experience, I was out there for four days, five days before the tournament even started. And although I didn't play, I think that helped a lot because this was kind of the second time I've seen all these guys right. um, play. So I was able to be a little bit more in routine, a little bit more focused, um, but I was talking to one of the Scotty Cameron reps on the putting green and I made a comment about the issue being me and not the putter. And then JT was kind of hitting putts next to us. <laughs> and he said, don't say that. He said, it's always the putter. <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't know who I am. Yeah. But just for the fact that, you know, he was listening in to what we were talking about or whatever, whatever and thought he had to chime in i thought was really really cool yeah no that's awesome he's like don't don't say it's you because you i mean this guy's this yeah guy i mean could, this guy can hook you up with free cameras just say there's you know there's it's a degree off or something yeah yeah i ended up i actually i did get a, a circle t while i was there that was probably my biggest you know college player um moment was i was i just saw him i didn't have one and i thought i've got to get one so I uh, went up to the guys and was like, look, I need one. And um, they were, they were great. They were happy to, you know, give me one and 
spec'd it out to be about the same as the one that I had before, uh, which is just a, a pretty standard Newport too. That's uh, yeah. See, I would have walked in and said, "Look, listen, my engineering background is telling me that my current putter is just not up to spec." So if you see, that's what yeah. I, I would have I led with yeah. that. Yeah. So that was something stupid as you know, getting a new putter was a. Uh, a yeah, pretty cool, but that's, yeah, cool but, moment but of the that's, week. That's yeah. what you do, man. I mean, hey, you're you're yeah. you're in college once, and you're I mean, you're a sophomore in college, and you're playing at Riv on the PGA Tour. That's what you do. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah, glad I did it. Um, played with it last week. Didn't puck right, but oh um, it's I'm a- gonna say it was the green's fault. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. No, no. When, when <laughs> what, exactly. As JT would say, yeah. Hey, he's the he's the players' champion right now, so he uh, he kind of knows what he's talking about. Now you you've yeah. qualified for U.S. amateurs, U.S. juniors. Um, now, obviously, we were we were all out there abandoned at, at the U.S. Am on on invitation only, of course. But you know, this Genesis is is like I said, it's it's a it's a Monday qualifier. It's it's an eighteen hole qualifier. I know the U.S. Am is is thirty six, but you know, you shoot city, you shoot sixty six to get in. Um, how how do you approach a one round qualifier? And maybe we can share some of your approach with listeners that you know whether they're trying to get into a state amateur or a state open or or make their their travel team in college, high school, whatever you want to call it. How do you approach that, knowing that hey, it, there's I mean, this situation it's one gets in, some are two, three, four, five. How did you go into approaching this? I try to think of it as the same as I would if it was round two of a four-day event. You know, you still had a lot of golf left. But I feel like if I try to think that it's only one round, if I make a double, you know, that could kind of screw your chances, basically. that I mean, that's such a, I don't want to say a, ba- a bad way of thinking about it, but I feel like that puts so much pressure on yourself to be perfect. Um, yeah when you really don't need to be perfect. I, I missed a, a two footer out there on Monday. Um, and yeah, I wasn't perfect. I three putted the, another hole that was not part of the two foot putt that I missed. Um, so it's not like I played perfect golf, but I was still able to, I just tried to imagine. I mean, like I said, it was the second round of a 72 hole event and I was just playing golf. And one thing that helped is I had my head coach on the bag yeah, and I had no knowledge of Riv. No, that was my first time playing it, so I had to be really locked into basically the yardage book um, and what advice he was giving me because I didn't have any any knowledge to go off of myself. So um, I felt like that was helpful in keeping me purely focused on my next shot because yeah. I didn't really know where I was going or what I was doing, so I didn't have time to think about my three putt or whatever, because right. I had to think about what club I'm going to hit off this next tee. Um, so I think that was another thing that kind of helped me stay away from thinking about the score and more about just the process of, of playing golf and hitting the next shot. So almost what you're saying is I, you had really very limited knowledge of the golf course. So really nothing to draw on. You're just really kind of going around with uh with coach haas where did you have coach haas or do you have you have aoc on there i had coach haas okay on so, monday and then coach aaron caddied for me on uh, thursday friday okay so you had so with coach haas on the bag you're basically just you're kind of following his directions and just kind of almost just like got your head in the book so to speak and you're not looking around uh, looking around you're just kind of looking okay this is the shot go hit it 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, is a lesson there that I would have to pick a target and be like, all right, I'm going to hit it here. Um, it may not be the perfect target, but I'm going to be focused on this target that I'm trying to hit. And, um, you know, we'll kind of see where the ball goes and then play your next shot from there. Yeah, well, it's – I'm sure the lessons that you learned that week are going to – you're going to carry them, you know, for quite a long time, whether it's the rest of this spring or this summer – or next year, or years after that, you'll look back on that, and even lessons that you may not even realize that you learned, they'll they'll pop into your head. So um, I think it's great what they do. I, I want to get out to that Genesis showcase just because I think it's like I, I love the fact that we get to see the best college players uh, in in the country pop into these uh, PGA Tour events, whether it's you know you at Riv or uh, you know Goderup just had a great week uh, at, at you know at Puerto Rico. So um, I think it's great to get get you guys in front of uh, you know the the casual golf fan and do these things and and I actually I'm not sure if you saw it but they asked Rory about you in in his presser and he was kind of laughing because I think you were saying like hey so you know what do I need to work on and uh, you know Rory's like dude you shot 66 yesterday I think you're okay yeah yeah no I did see that yeah and, uh, he also hammered Coach Aaron. Uh, their story back playing junior golf. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, Rory was, I mean, playing with him was great. We played nine in the morning on Tuesday. And, um, the fact that my coach kind of set that up because he was friends with more so his caddy, Harry, um, but Rory as well. Um, so that was a great connection to have. And, and he was great. I was asking him a bunch of questions. He probably thought were stupid, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, he, uh, he answered them, I would say fairly truthfully and, and, um, we had a good, good time. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's what it's all about. It's great that the guys are, um, on the tour are helping out the, the new young guys that are coming up. But I think for, yeah. for you just to see Rory McElroy say, dude, you're, you're fine. That's right. There's gotta, you gotta be able to take that with you, uh, down the road and when you, uh, move on to the next level. So before we talk about maybe what's waiting for you at the next level, Let's talk about Wake. Um, you're a member of this this Wake Forest team. So much history in in collegiate golf, and uh, you know we kind of don't want to skip over it. How do you find you know how do you find yourself being in Leesburg, Virginia, and deciding to go to Wake? I mean, is it? I, I know obviously academics are important and um, athletics as well. Was it merely that? Was there something else that was kind of a kicker that that made you decide to uh, to go to Wake Forest? The academic and athletic part um, was pretty important to me when I was being recruited um so the schools that i would i was looking at were all very um very high academics um wake um duke uva vanderbilt um even clemson um so i was you know that kind of dwindled my list down pretty quickly and and i knew i thought flying to a, a university would be kind of a pain as a junior golfer um in high school yeah, I'm sure I could do it now that I'm a little bit older and maybe have a little bit more experience. I don't think it would be quite as bad, but I didn't really want to fly, um, have to fly to school. So Wake Forest kind of fit the perfect um, geographical. I mean, it's not too close. UVA was probably a little too close. It's like an hour 30. Didn't want my parents to be able to come and drive and see me every weekend. But uh, if I really needed to get home, I could. And Wake's about five, 15, five and a half hours from home. So, um, 
you know, it kind of fit all the boxes early um, in my selection process. And then when I got on campus and met with the coaches, um, the school is, is beautiful. Yeah. Um, I love the buildings. You know, I, it just felt really kind of quaint to me. Um, and, and coach Hawes and, and at the time coach Walters, um, we had a different assistant coach. Um, I, I thought they were great just the way that they treated me. And I remember I would coach Hawes would drive me around on the golf cart and I didn't know coach Hawes like I do now, but he knew every single person on campus. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. And now I realize that coach Hawes, he's, I don't want to say a crazy person, but in the best way possible, <laughs> you know, he's his energy. He comes back to our locker room, um, just like drenched in sweat coming back from playing lunchtime basketball with, you know, his buddies and the professors at school. And I mean, he loves it. And oh my I God. Think, I did not know this. You know, yeah. So that like that kind of stuff, I, I thought I was like, that is, that's awesome. You know, I want to be a part of that. Um, so, and even I played golf with the guys on the team and um, they treated me, you know, I was a sophomore in high school at the time, maybe even yeah. a freshman when I played with them. And um, they could have been, you know, I was, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. They could have been like, oh, you know, who is this guy? We're just going to talk to three of us and kind of leave him right. you know, on the outs or whatever. But they were great and included me. And, and um, I had a really fun time with them. And I didn't have the same experience when I played golf with other guys. Um, right. from other schools sure. so that was kind of a, a differentiator for me um i was like these are the guys i'm going to be living with i'm going to see them 24 7 for the next four years of my life yeah. i might as well you know like the guys that coach Haas recruits and um i mean they're some of my best friends the guys on the team so i think it's worked out great yeah, I, I've had many uh, Wake Forest uh, players on the podcast, and, you know, whether it's Jay Sigal, who's a legend, and obviously Zalatoris, and Rachel Keene, her mother, Brenda Keene. I mean, just it's you go down the list, and, um, you know, every program kind of has their, um, you know, collection of, of famous, well known alums or players that have gone through the program that are now on the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour. And obviously, Wake is is high up on that list. What is maybe one thing? And I know it's hard to compare because you know you're not obviously attending multiple schools. But what's maybe one unique part of Wake Forest that's that you, as a member of the team, is allowed to experience that is uniquely Wake? You know, every like I said, every school has the mm -hmm. the donor that can get you in at this course or that you know. You know, I, I see a lot of teams fly private, and okay, that's just I get that. But what, what's what's something that's very unique for Wake? I think one thing that's great about Wake Forest and, and a, a great bonus is their the practice facilities and golf course, and not just the quality, but the location. Yeah. Um, I mean, the practice facility at Wake was a three minute walk from my freshman dorm. Oh, literally, you know, it, it's on the south side of campus where all the freshman dorms are um so just that level of accessibility you know was was awesome if you had a you know a long night and you just you were finishing homework at nine o'clock at night and you, you needed something to do so easy to walk over to the facility you know open the um the bays hit some balls you know lights on 
um, not on the rain. You couldn't really see where the ball was going, but sure. we had indoor putting, you know, stuff like that. And just to kind of just having it be so close, I felt was was huge. And then our our uh, home course, Old Town, literally borders campus. Um, it's a, a four minute drive. Oh so, gosh. you know, I, there were some schools that you had to drive 30 minutes, maybe 45 if traffic is bad or whatever. And yeah, there, you know, facilities were great, but I, I just felt like that was going to kind of waste some time that I, at the time, I didn't know how valuable your time was in college until yeah. I realized how busy you can get. Um, so it makes me even more happy that it's easy to, to go to wake. And like, even an example of this was even last week, I had a problem set due for one of my, uh, econ econometric classes and it was due at five o'clock and we had to hand it in, in person paper. And, um, so I went out and practiced after class. I was done at, I think 12, I went out and I could practice for a few hours and then literally hop in a golf cart right up to, um, the hall where my class was walk in, <laughs> hand my paper in, hand my problem set in, hop back in the golf cart, drive to the practice facility. And I was there and back in six minutes, you know, and I just continued my practice. Um, so stuff really like that, cool. you know, makes it super convenient. That's really cool. Um, just rolling up in a golf cart. Yeah. I'm double parked. I'll be right out. No problem. Yeah. Oh my God. yeah. And, and the bag is probably still in a golf cart. You're just like, yeah, just, I'm at the turn. Let me turn in this paper really quick. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. I just want to ask you a couple more about Wake. I just am fascinated with, with, with just everything there. You know, you're, we've talked about this, you know, you're a sophomore and PGA Tour U is this great thing that's been developed for, for, uh, you know, uh, collegiate golfers that are getting ready to make that move to the professional ranks. I think a lot of people follow it, but, you know, really the top 15 seniors or final, final year players, however you want to call it, you know, the top 15 are going to get uh, status on the professional tours. Top five go to Corn Ferry and then six through 15 get uh, either Latin or Canadian uh, tour privileges. And, you know, you're in a very unique position where it doesn't apply to you because you're not at the end of your collegiate career, but you are right there next to Alex, Alex Fitzpatrick every day, who as of today, um, you know, March 10th is currently fifth. So again, it's a really unique spot to see how he is handling something that you are going to be hopefully right at the same level, if not higher when the time comes, what have you seen out of him and how he's approached this time in his career and maybe how you're going to incorporate that into your senior season when you are eligible for the PGA Tour U? Yeah, PGA Tour U is, is definitely interesting. Um, and I would say, I don't know, but I feel like it's got to have kept kids in college um, because yeah. of the opportunity. I mean, it's such a great opportunity. And it is, it's great that I see Alex firsthand, you know, kind of going through it. And it's definitely nerve wracking, you know, when you realize that you're, next couple of years of your life are kind of determined on how you're playing right now. Um, I'm not saying it's, you know, a huge difference between going to Canadian tour or corn Ferry tour, but it's kind of a, you'd have to play another, a good year of golf on the Canadian tour to then get yeah, on the corn Ferry 100%. tour, you know? So it's just, it's great. If you just got that corn Ferry right out of college, um, it'd be, it'd be huge. So there's pressure involved with it for sure. I, I think, you have to try to ignore it as, as much as you possibly can. Um, I know it is your livelihood and, you know, what you're about to do 
full time and there is no school after after college. Um, so it, it may be hard sometimes, but um, you got to I feel like you just got to try to um, play good golf. And, and I think, again, you know, our, our team, some of my such good friends are on the team. So I, it's pretty easy to get distracted um, by golf and let that kind of consume your life. But I think when you have guys around you that are, you know, you can go go do something else on the weekends or, you know, it's, it's easy to take your mind off of it when you're living with some of your best friends. So that's what I'm, you know, hoping that that kind of helps with my junior and senior year. Um, but it's, I mean, it, it's tough. Uh, you got to play good golf. You flat out got to play consistent solid golf yeah and you guys have a really consistent lineup i mean i know you've had a couple guys in and out but for the most part from what i've seen just being at tournaments and seeing you guys it's really you know it's you it's fitz it's mark power another you know both of those guys played for gb and i in the last walker cup and then it's scotty kennan and and that old guy in the push cart parker gillum Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean this is really this is kind of the last ride for you five I mean, I know Parker's, you know, moving on and Fitz is moving on. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, this is kind of the last ride for this FISM this year. Um, is there one team memory that you can share with me with these guys? And I'm, you know, I'm obviously there's the performance on the golf course and the individual wins, but there's also that part of college golf that you got to be around some good solid dudes to get through the, the, the bus rides and the, the, the the flights and the the lost luggage and the the early I mean there's a lot that is done behind the scenes to, for a team to be successful. Give me a good story about the five these five. There definitely is a lot more than just teeing it up on the first hole and signing your scorecard on the 18th hole. You know yeah. after the 18th hole is done, there's a lot that goes into it, and the coaches have done a great job. You know trying to handle that. Um, but we, I would say as a team. Um, pretty pretty obvious we i don't think we're anyone believes that we're playing up to our potential right now um kind of been in, in a bit of a hole um we still have it's nice that we're kind of in the middle of our spring season we have a few more events before we do get to postseason to to figure some stuff out but i mean just a, a mark power story he he's he's got a lot of energy uh mark does yeah. he kind of he doesn't really slow down very often. And uh, he just loves to scare people, like jump scare. And it was we were, It was at the Southwestern. Um, he was laying in bed. We were sharing a room. We, all, we, I, we don't get to choose who we sleep with, but the coaches always put Mark and I together. So we're always roomed together. And uh, we just got two full beds, you know, pretty standard hotel. Um, it's actually a nice hotel at the Westgate, but standard room. Um, and I was going to close the blinds. I thought Mark was sleeping in his bed. Um, and I was going to close the blinds just so we didn't get woken up at six o'clock in the morning when the sun came up so we could sleep a little bit. And I'm kind of tiptoeing around Mark's, uh, bed, which is closer to the window. Mine's closer to the door. And, um, I close the blinds and I'm kind of slowly trying to be quiet. So I don't wake him up, get into my bed. And then Mark like gets up and just screams at me. And, um, I'm, I, I just about had a heart attack, you know, on the spot. And, um, but just like the fact that Mark is, you know, that we're comfortable enough with each other. And I, I was like, I was laying in bed and I was hyperventilating a little bit, but, um, 
you know, just kind of stuff like that. And you wake up in the morning and you tell all the other guys on the team, you know, oh, Mark, you know, scared me or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, everyone gets a laugh out of that. And it's just kind of small stuff like that that, that makes it really fun and enjoyable. Well, you've given me an idea. I need to somehow figure out a way to frighten and scare the crap out of Mark Power at some sort of a collegiate event between now and the national championship. So you've, uh, you've yeah, that would be that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, you have given me all right. Of course, now that he's listening to this, he may do the same thing to me. So that could backfire. Um, we'll just for, for, yeah, we'll just skip through that whole thing. Yeah, that's just not yeah. gonna happen. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you know, you're talking about just, you know, obviously it's your spring season and, you know, you're playing well and hopefully the team is going to kind of, you know, rally and get themselves in line. And truthfully, the great thing about college golf is you got to just get to regionals and then you got to get through. And as long as you get through regionals and the national championship, anything can happen. So, um, yeah, sounds like you're on, you're on the right track. Um, I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Now, sometimes I kind of open it up for questions to the host. So uh, you got anything for me before uh, before I let you go? Yeah, I guess probably more oh. a few rapid-fire questions. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, this is great. Um, favorite sport? Baseball. Favorite baseball team, then? Atlanta Braves, but early, okay. early Atlanta Braves, not the recent. I mean, I like the guys now, but I was of – I, I was a Dale Murphy fan. That was my favorite player growing up. So I liked the Braves when they were awful before they were good in the 90s. So lifelong Braves fan. Okay. Um, I'm a Nets fan, so that's kind of a little hard to hear. I understand. But, but that's okay. Um, favorite food? My grandmother's hamburger pie. What is, what's that? That is like a biscuit crust with ground beef and Velveeta cheese and then mashed potatoes on top of that and then cheese on top of that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a full day right there. Okay. Um your favorite venue you've been to? Wow. Probably the favorite probably the favorite venue well, let's see. The favorite event I've covered is the Walker Cup. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so the venue, yeah, I would say I would say this year's Walker Cup at Seminole. I'd say that 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 would be pretty pretty far up there. I really, I got to tell you, Jones Cup is right there. It's right there as well. I'm not gonna lie. I got a real soft spot for the Jones Cup. Even when it's four, even when it's forty five. Yeah, and, when it's forty five, blowing twenty five, and kind of misty raining on you. I, you know, you know what's funny is that you know early on at the Jones Cup, you see the, you know, you see the agents kind of walking around, you see the club guys walking around, and um, yeah, they're not there on that that last day when it's forty five, and you don't see as many. But I, 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 yeah. I, it's real strange. They're not out there, um, but that's okay. No, Jones Cup, Ocean yeah. Forest, everyone there, uh, real soft spot for them. Um, so I've seen a video of your swing, pretty, pretty decent oh, wow. swing. Oh my god! You know, this is gone. This is gone. In a, you know, it was one question, Michael. I said, "Do you have a question for me?" This is gone. I'm, I'm starting to sweat now. All right, you've seen my swing, and as go ahead. I was just going to say. Obviously, play golf yourself. Favorite golfing memory? Ah, oh, favorite golfing memory. I would say, 
I would say qualifying for the 2012 U.S. Mid-Amateur Championship. And it was at the same, it was actually at Quail Ridge. See, we're tying this all together. This is great work. You no know, way. I, I was wow. At, we're do, we're, you're doing great. I mean, as, as an impromptu co-host of this, you're, do, um, you're doing you're doing a lot of work here. <laughs> um, qualifying in 2012 for the U.S. Mid-Am at Quail Ridge. And at that same qualifier, Gary Nicholas got in. And Jack Nicholas, his father, was there. And as I'm walking to the parking lot on cloud nine for getting into my first and, and uh, at this point only USGA championship, um, getting congratulated by Jack Nicholas for qualifying. That was a pretty good day. That's a pretty awesome. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty fun day. All right. Um, I think that's <laughs> going to wrap up my end of questioning. How do you like this podcasting gig? It's not bad, huh? Yeah, no, it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you brought some questions. I, this was fun. I appreciate that. And, um, and seriously, congrats on uh, the start of a, a fantastic uh, collegiate career. I mean, four wins in, in your first two seasons. Hopefully many more to come. I will see you down the road at, uh, at the Valspar, actually, in a little while. And yep. um, I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. Really appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Michael Brennan for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, lots of content coming your way. Make sure you're following on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Check the show notes for the link to the GoFundMe page that will support the University of the Southwest. And I will see you next time here at the Back of the Range.